You're listening to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast, featuring conversations on the business of transforming healthcare. Welcome to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. I'm Sam Glick, partner in the Health and Life Sciences Practice here at Oliver Wyman. In this episode, I'm delighted to be speaking with Chris Kay. Chris is the Senior Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at Humana. At Humana, Chris works closely with internal leaders as well as outside partners to design, test, and operationalize game-changing innovation. Previously, Chris was a Managing Director and CEO of City Ventures, which is Citigroup's global corporate venture arm. Before that, he held several leadership positions at Target. Chris is a keen innovator with a passion for launching products and services that enhance the consumer experience, and I'm delighted to have him here with us. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks. Great to be here. So, Chris, you uh, before you came to Humana, you were in the financial services world, and uh, in financial services, there's been a lot of talk lately about blockchain. Um, so maybe uh, in kind of a an interesting place to start would actually be there, which is um, what is blockchain and, and what might we learn from how financial services is thinking about it uh, in healthcare? Well, you know, let's let's start and talking about blockchain. And interestingly, I think that um, the healthcare industry is going to benefit from some of the momentum gained in financial services about um, blockchain. But I think fundamentally, maybe the potential for blockchain to transform the healthcare industry maybe is in a different in a different way than financial services. But um, you know, as I as I think about blockchain, I really think about um, the potential to enable a trust framework. And if you if you really click into that, what it means is that in today's world, um, typically access to information and data is held by a central administrator, sort of a gatekeeper model. The notion of blockchain is actually to to push and disrupt that and to say, what we actually want to do is keep data secure in a much more distributed way. So think about a world where every part or participant, they're called nodes of the blockchain, may have, in fact, control of their own data. But then the technology of blockchain, which has been around for a while, but the potential in its, in its application here is that each of those, uh, each interaction across the chain is encrypted and it's tracked with an indelible ledger. So an accountant has a ledger where they may track um, uh, the ins and outs of a transaction. But in blockchain, everybody has a ledger which is transparent to everybody else. And so any interaction or any transaction on the blockchain is verified across all of the components of the blockchain. What does that mean? It means a, a secure um, transaction. And it also means that there's tremendous amount of flexibility and potential to innovate around business models. Let me talk about where financial services is going. You know, if you think about one of the benefits of a distributed data model, a distributed model um, uh, and ledger, financial services is ripe for um, for efficiencies and gains there. As I think about blockchain and financial services, the key point where financial services has gone is to really, really think about how do you uh, take out the inefficiencies of intermediaries. In capital markets, Transactions and trades are, are full of intermediaries, those that, that do validation or take counterparty risk. So in financial services, this is really a 
middle and back office play to enable trades and transactions to happen at speed without any need to validate the accuracy of the transaction, without any need for an intermediary. Um, and and that, that's a really exciting place for, for blockchain to um, apply in financial services. But Sam, can we t- spend a second talking about what, what some of that application may mean in healthcare? Yeah, I'd love to, particularly uh, how it might change the consumer experience. Yeah, and so I, I'll start. You know, maybe if we if we step back and say, boy, you know, what what is what's why is health so hard in this in this country? You know, we we have a healthcare system that grew up in an area where episodic care was the most prevalent need of our consumers, and the healthcare system grew up with a disconnected set of touch points, a disconnected delivery model, and frankly, an HIT infrastructure that is exceedingly siloed. So it's given rise to every care provider or care delivery system having their own EMR. Think of those as walled gardens. And while all of this was happening, the, the needs of our, of our um, uh, members and, and patients have changed. You know, now the healthcare system is tasked and burdened and needs to get really, really good at helping people manage their chronic conditions. So in 1950, when the system was being birthed, boy, it was all about episodic conditions. Today, um, citizens of this country suffer from chronic conditions, and that's where the majority of the cost is in the system. And frankly, this, this transactional technology architecture, the, the, the walled gardens aren't facilitating the coordination of care that's required as people deal with more complex health issues. So this shift from focus on silos to focus on an experience, this, this shift from a disintegrated experience, which is, may over time become more and more misaligned to an integrated experience is really important. And it's also being driven by the fact that the business model of healthcare is changing. As the world moves to a value-based model, outcomes become the critical component of measuring success. Starting with health, improving health, we will reduce cost in the system. So as I step back and say, boy, that, that's a, we, we have some, some complexity in the system. It's high friction. It does not allow for coordination of care. Let's go back to blockchain. What would it be like instead of of trying to fix an, an, an HIT infrastructure, which is really, really trotting slowly towards interoperability, to try to place some bets around a new model, a distributed model, where data, in fact, exists in a secure mode and where there are, where the, the blockchain ledgers and the cryptography that underlines the security could enable real time access to health information could enable real-time access to pricing, could enable real-time access to an adjudication of a claim. And that is, that is fundamental to why I'm passionate about, about blockchain. We as consumers, I think, over time, will continue to expect and demand our own access to our health records. As blockchain, frankly, can start to enable that. Take an example. Um, a, a, um, a patient, a person who may be suffering from diabetes and may have a need for some additional testing may see their primary care physician. You know, in today's world, that person will get a referral, which may or may not be easy, 
to an endocrinologist and they'll go see the endocrinologist and they'll sit down with the endocrinologist and then that endocrinologist will sort of start from, from ground zero again, doing many of the same tests and not having insight into the care plan that the PCP has offered. If we envision a world of blockchain, that, the, the data around that person's health records is portable and the, the, the specialist has access to the um, blockchain to the data for the, for the patient at the time of care. They also have access to all of the, the previous um, tests that have been done because those are indelibly noted on that distributed ledger that I talked about earlier. That is the potential of blockchain to radically simplify the experience and to drive a, let's, let's, let's move from talking about interoperability as standards for EHRs and let's start to talk about interoperability in terms of transparency and a more distributed model of data. Got it. Got it. So I think you know, there was an early vision uh, of consumers walking around with all of their own health information on a, on a card or on a chip. And it, um, it sounds like blockchain may actually be, be better than that and, and make something um, more transparent and more possible without everybody having to carry their own information in their pocket. Um, Switching gears a little bit, um, you know, you clearly know a lot about financial services. You also, uh, before that, came from an industry uh, and a player in Target uh, that knows an awful lot about consumer experience. Uh, how'd you end up in this mess that we call healthcare? Yeah, I'd like to say um, that was a super strategic move. But as I as I sat back um, and I, I fell in love with with consumers, we called them guests at Target and uh, worked really hard in the organization leading businesses to um, design and frame and create wonderful guest experiences. And so that passion for the consumer was very important and remains very important to me. But as I looked out in the, in the industry um, and about 10 years ago, I thought there are three places that have um, unactivated consumers where there's just tremendous opportunity to innovate for good and for for um, and to innovate around new business models and customer experiences, and those industries were financial services, education more broadly, and healthcare. And the push into into financial services was was largely to help them redefine a, to help city redefine a consumer go to market model for banking. But as I really thought about as I was working at City, where was my passion? My passion was in health. My passion was in, and, and that was really driven, Sam, by some personal experiences with families, with family members that had tremendous difficulty navigating a complex um, health system with, and, and they had real, real needs. And so when I had an opportunity to sit down with Bruce Broussard and the team, I was struck by, by a, a, um, a couple of things. One is that the business model of healthcare, this push towards value-based outcomes, is aligning with the, the, the business model of health, meaning this is an industry where you can do well by doing good. And this is a phenomenal moment in healthcare. And, and, and bringing those personal experiences, those real raw experiences about the difficulty of navigating in healthcare uh, to, a, to a company where we have a, a, we call it our bold goal, are committed, we're committed internally and externally to improve the health of the members we serve 20% by 2020 in their communities by making health more easy. 
that promise really aligned with the potential to make a real impact and to solve some problems, which I I had experienced in my personal life. That's terrific. We're we're glad to have you. Um, you know, thinking about myself and and coming to healthcare from tech and from others I've talked to, uh, the image I think of healthcare from the outside, even even those of us who've been big users of the system, uh, can be very different uh, than what you learn about healthcare once you're inside the system. Uh, any big lessons or preconceptions uh, that, that you had to shed as you came into healthcare? You know, I think that I think that um, maybe maybe answering that question slightly differently. I think what what I think we need more of uh, in healthcare is empathy, and I think that the what what has struck me about um, those of us, you included, that are coming into the into the industry is that the industry really, really is. There's a lot of debt around putting the customer uh, in the middle. And really being consumer focused as an industry, and I think that that um, the the passion for really, really, really deeply understanding customer needs and being empathetic in design of new solutions for them is at the root of what will transform healthcare. I didn't really have to shed much in terms of 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 um, in terms of capabilities, but what I really, really quickly was able to shed as I joined Humana was this that was the was the fact that we we can make a difference as a consumer of the healthcare industry. It's just really hard, and I experienced that firsthand. But moving into an organization and helping lead an organization to transform itself from being a traditional payer to a healthcare services company. I'm very, very, I, I, we see a path and we have the ambition and it's all rooted in health and the health of the members we serve. That's great. So, I mean, building on that, um, in some ways, I think health plans uh, like Humana and others um, are, are coming from behind when we think about how consumers think of them and interact with them. I think, you know, what you just described, a company that is um, empathetic, a place that uh, is in service of the consumer and the patient. Uh, you've talked before about radical simplification. Uh, is probably not how people picture a health plan today, um, and in some ways it's far from it. So what does that kind of empathy and radical simplification really mean for a place like Humana? Well, you know, I, the health insurance industry grew up in a very transactional mode, right? And I think our, our push, and I think what it means more broadly for the industry is, is shifting the mindset to a relationship model, one that is rooted in real health and helping people overcome and, and um, you know, bring down barriers that people have to their own health. And that's just not uh, barriers. It's, frankly, it's not about barriers. We have to make it easy. For, for consumers to interact with their insurance company, absolutely. And we're doing a lot of good work to simplify the experience on the insurance side. But really what it means is the industry, we have to dig much, much deeper into understanding the, the total needs of our customers. What, what, what are their clinical needs? What are their health needs? But what are also the needs that they have in terms of other, uh, um, of other broader needs, the social determinants of health, we call that. So as we, as we talk about radical simplification, we're looking for um, ways that people today are hacking the system 
and trying to simplify them, uh, their own experience themselves. And we're innovating around that. You know, I was struck in a very early visit uh, in, in the home of one of our members that the solution that exists um, largely across this country around uh, managing multiple medications is to keep them in a paper bag. And that paper bag goes together with a handwritten list to the doctors, and it comes along with you. Well, so the, the folks that are dealing with the complexity of their life and the burden of managing multiple conditions and, 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 and all of the associated sort of burdens that come with that are managing their prescriptions and the medicine they take, sometimes 10, 12, or 15 in a paper bag. What would it be like for us to really, really look at that and say, how do we hack into that solution and create a, and radically simplify the way you manage your meds? What would it be like to actually use technology and insights to create an always-on 360-degree view of the medicines you take? What, what would it be like for that to be persistent and then connect into and be visible to doctors and to your care team and to your family? And I use that as a simple example because some of the problems that we are solving, consumers are solving in their own ways. And I think we as a, as a company and we as an industry have an opportunity to better leverage innovation and technology to just radically simplify that experience. So, Chris, in, in doing things like that, and I actually I think the, the prescription management example is a great example. Um, you know, you've really been on the leading edge in um, both identifying problems but also finding solutions to them, uh, not entirely in-house. Um, through kind of taking an investor mindset and a partnership mindset and, and working with healthcare innovators and um, other organizations that may have thought a lot more about these problems than some of the traditional incumbents have. Um, well, that's hard to do. I think we see that a lot, which is sort of easy for innovators to say they want to work with incumbents. Uh, it's much harder for incumbents to figure out how to work uh, with innovative partners. Uh, what advice do you have for other big organizations like Humana uh, about how they might work in sort of non-traditional partnership arrangements? It's a great question, and you know, as a as a um, former former um, um, investor, and you know, we Humana Health um, Ventures invests in in entrepreneurs. Um, but you know, it's funny as I think about what is the promise that we make to partners um, as an as an organization. Um, the first is that we need to really, really be aligned on the problems to be solved. You know, I think that there is a, a tremendous amount of risk that organizations have to look at shiny new technologies or shiny new things. So having a, a, an alignment of the strategy with a portfolio of innovation is really important. The second thing that, that companies really, really need to work hard at is building the capabilities to partners so that you avoid the, I'll call it the impedance mismatch between big and small. Because oftentimes the speed and and uh, it is super critical to especially entrepreneurs who are managing a, a a run rate and a burn rate. That is a foundational capability that companies have to have in order to partner. And the third is to be just absolutely rabidly generous. Because as we think about the innovations we do with partners, the first question we ask is what can we learn together. 
you know, co-creation is absolutely the new way. I think that big companies need to really challenge the orthodoxy that things are invented inside and figure out how do we learn together outside and then understand that the business models and the relationships on how you monetize new services will come. But answering questions and asking questions like, what do we need to learn together are the, are the first questions that unify um, early stage partnerships. I love it. I love it. And I like this idea of an impedance mismatch. I may, I may steal that one from you if you let me. Absolutely. Um, so Chris, last question, and it's the question I like to, to ask everybody as we wrap, is um, if there were no limitations, if you had all the time, space, money, talent in the world, um, now that you've spent a good amount of time in healthcare, what's the one thing you'd fix? Wow, let me let me go super broad on that. You know, I think as a as a um, as a country, I think that you know you look across and at the relationship between social investment and healthcare costs and and the condition of people over a lifetime, and I start I start to think, boy, you know what, the 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 push towards health and and um, supporting people. Um, needs to start a whole lot earlier, and it needs to start at a community level. And and I say that because um, we as a we we local communities have tremendous um, potential to activate and support um, a, a, a healthy community. And the fact of the matter is, the majority of 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 um, how should I put this? The majority of um, influence on one's health is how one behaves. The majority of cost in the healthcare system is from how one receives care. So if I could do one thing and mobilize one thing, it would be to, to at a community level, invest in the social barriers to health, access to food, food insecurity, safety, sort of activate at a community level the support systems for people to live their best life. I love it. Well, here's hoping we do that. Chris Kay, thank you for joining us. Always a great conversation. Great. Thanks, Sam. You've been listening to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. Oliver Wyman Health is a virtual community of innovators convened by the health and life sciences practice of global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. Find us online at health.oliverwyman.com and follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor.